we are not going to have Sunday school on Christmas Day. And so December 25th, uh, we will have worship service, but uh, no Sunday school on the 25th. Yeah, thank you, Kathy. All right, welcome. Now, uh, Cindy, Cindy Barden, there's got to be 200 people here today, I tell you. All right, still counting, okay. Well, just like the election, count them twice, okay? And... <laughs> if uh, you come up with 198, I'm going to pay the money for a recount, so... Uh... There you go. Have uh, you ever been in front of someone and been confused? Yes, we all have. I was at uh, some place the other day and walked in and, and uh, was kind of working the crowd and, and I said, um, who is uh, doing a particular service? And the lady said, um, it's a guy named Reverend Humphreys. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, boy, he's a great guy. <laughs> I said, I, I know him very well. And they said, you do? And I said, yeah, I know him very well. I said, I've known him most of his life. Then I finally introduced myself and she said, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And I said, no, that's okay. I uh, was talking to uh, someone yesterday that saw me at Walmart and of course I was thinking back, boy, I hope I wasn't ugly that day and hope I was on my best behavior. But uh, we all have days where we uh, maybe are not at our best. But boy, we have a Savior who makes us better. Amen? So if you got your Bible today, the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. <clears throat> Let's just pretend that there are planets out there where there is life. Okay? And Cindy's saying yes. Okay, there are people out there. And uh, let's say that uh, they get in their spaceship and they visit planet Earth. And they happen to show up about Christmas time. Now, what would they conclude about Christmas? Santa or the Savior? Rudolph? or Redeemer? Jingle bells or Jesus? Happy Holidays or Merry Christmas? I wonder what the message that would go forth, the message that would carry from our world to another world. I do know that in the Word of God, beginning in Genesis and going through Malachi in the Old Testament, there is the pounding away that there is a Savior who is going to come to rescue this world. And in fact, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22, 
It says, Then they will look to the earth, and behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. That is a depressing picture that you find there at the end of Isaiah chapter 8. And if we had to end the story there, it would be doom and gloom for this world. But then, look at chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no more gloom. For her who was in anguish, in earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, you can read on from there. And Isaiah says, they, these were people that walked in darkness. These were people that were walking in gloom. But all of a sudden, something changed. And what changed is that a Savior was born. Now, we're going to focus on chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. But before I read that, let me give you a little historical background. In 725 B.C., the northern kingdom faced a threat from Assyria. Now, these ten northern tribes that made up the northern part of Israel, you've got Judah to the south, the two tribes there, Judah and Benjamin. This southern kingdom looked to the north and they saw that Assyria was about to conquer the north. And that brought fear to them. And they saw the doom and the gloom there from the Assyrian Empire. In 722 B.C., Sennacherib and the Assyrian army, they conquered those ten northern tribes. But you still have a small light. It is Judah. And it is Benjamin there to the south. And so, Isaiah is saying, we don't want to happen to us what happened to the ten northern tribes. I do believe that there are great historical lessons that we need to learn. I believe that what happened to Rome, what happened to other nations can happen to us, and they are examples for us to learn from. And that is what Isaiah is saying. He is saying, look to the north and see what happened there. Now, Isaiah may be called the fifth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Isaiah. Because Isaiah is so prophetic about Christ. Isaiah has more prophecies about Christ than any other prophet. And so this evangelist of the Old Testament talks about the Savior coming in verse 6 and 7. So let's look at that. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on His shoulders. And His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of His government or of peace. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And so, Isaiah pulls back the curtain. And Isaiah says, this coming one, the Messiah, He will be like a king described by four names. Now, I don't want to be too political, but I do want to tell you this. Anyone that's going to be a good ruler, leader, president, king, monarch, has got to have these four names. And you and I know that the only one who perfectly knows how to rule our world is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one that is the king with these four names. James Merritt called Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6-7. through He said, It is the cornerstone and centerpiece of all prophetic prophecy. And so, Isaiah says, this coming somebody is going to have possessed these four wonderful names. Alright, let's look at number one. The king is marvelous in how he came. Well, look at verse number six again. For a child will be born to us. A virgin named Mary... Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 talks about that that kind of birth. Look back in your Bible to Isaiah 7. Look at verse 14. Isaiah 7:14 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold a virgin will be with child and bear a son and she will call his name Emmanuel. What does the word Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. Boy, when Christ comes into your life, He is God with you. And so, Isaiah in chapter 7 says, the virgin will conceive. It is a marvelous way that Jesus came. He did not come as a full-grown man. He came to be born as a baby that we could see His life. We could see His ministry. And so, we find He came in earthly humanity. A child will be born. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, He Himself likewise also partook of the same. In other words, He was robed in humanity. Did Jesus ever have a cold? I believe He did. Did He ever have a backache? I believe He did. Did He have an ingrown toenail? I believe He did. I believe that Jesus went through all things that we go through 
But the Bible says one thing was missing, and that is sin. All things but no sin in his life. Galatians 4, verse number 4, says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. You know, at just the right time in history, I've often thought about this, how that, you know, at just the right time in this world, Christ came. And so we find that Isaiah is saying, it was marvelous. He came in earthly humanity. But he also had deity. Also had deity. If you look at chapter 9, verse 6 again, it goes on to say, a son will be given to us. This speaks of His eternality. It speaks of the pre-existence of Christ. And how that before the world began, He was there. And can, can you imagine what heaven was going through when God said, I'm going to send forth My Son. And for 33 years... Christ was absent from heaven while He's on earth. Boy, heaven must have grieved when Jesus stepped out of glory. And boy, what a reunion when He stepped back into heaven. Psalm chapter 2, verse 7 says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my Son, today have I begotten you. I believe one of the doctrines that the liberals attack so much is the doctrine of the virgin birth. I don't understand it, but I believe it. I don't have it all figured out, but I know by faith that the Holy Spirit of God conceived inside Mary's womb and that child was the very Son of God. I believe that by faith. James married again said, in the person of deity, wrapped up in the package of humanity. That is who Christ is. And so, Isaiah says, this coming King is marvelous in the way He came. Alright, number two. The King is also majestic in who He is. And this is really the heart of the lesson today. These four titles, these four names that Jesus will have. Now, if you look through the Bible, there are 250 names and titles for Jesus. 250. I like what it says in Revelation where it says He is the Alpha and the Omega. Try to describe Him. Boy, He is the indescribable One. Try to describe His goodness. You can't do it. Try to describe His grace. Man, it's impossible. And so, 250 different names. But I would submit to you that these four are some of the greatest titles of Christ. Alright, number one... He is a wise counselor. Now if you look in verse number 6. Verse 6. 
For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, don't separate those. It's not Wonderful and Counselor. They go together. He is a Wonderful Counselor. You got a best friend maybe that, that you go to for counsel. Well, they may give you good advice and they may give you bad advice. I uh, went to some friends of mine one time for counsel and, and I happened to be standing on top of a bridge. And uh, I'm standing there, I was about 16 years of age, and my friend said, you're a chicken if you don't jump. I looked down at the river below, it was the Illinois River, and, and I thought, well, it looks deep enough down there, and, and so I did a very foolish thing, I jumped. It was so far down that I had to get a second breath before I hit the bottom. And when I hit, splash, boy, I went down, 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 didn't hit the bottom. But I came back up and I said, boy, thank the Lord that He saved me from foolish advice. Ever been given bad counsel and you went back and said, God, thank You that You saved me from that. Well, the Bible says Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Mankind, in the book of Genesis, got counsel from somebody else. A snake. Boy, don't you hate snakes you know they're all poisonous <laughs> really are did you get snake bit no I've got python shoes that's my revenge y'all hear Cindy she's wearing python shoes that's her revenge <laughs> she's walking on snakes alright I saw on TV not too long ago a snake got loose on a plane if I'd have been on that plane, there'd have been one less passenger. <laughs> I'd have bailed and took my chances. And they, they were there staring at the thing, and someone said, It's not poisonous, it's not poisonous. And I said, Yeah, sure. Well, in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve went to a snake for counsel. Take of the tree. Take of the tree tree of life. Eh, God's holding out on you. God doesn't want you to know everything. God is holding something back from you. That was His counsel. And they listened to the wrong counselor. He ended up getting kicked out of Eden. How many times do we lose the best in life because we listen to the snake instead of the Savior? Hmm. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. His counsel is unfailing. Well, not only is He a wonderful counselor, but number two, He is a worthy defender. Now look at this in verse number six. Wonderful counselor, then you find the phrase, mighty God. He is a warrior God. He is the God of angel armies. A mighty God. One translation says, 
He is a hero God. Boy, wouldn't it be great if, if you walked around and said, man, my hero is God. A lot of folks say my hero is some sports figure. My hero is Cam Newton. Well, he's had a bad year, you know. Now, my, my hero is the players on Carolina. Y'all need some prayer too, don't you? <laughs> my, my prayer is uh, Watson or whatever. Deshaun. Well, y'all may need some prayer when it comes to that last game. But when it comes to looking at a man, no man ever gets up. Now, now listen, alright, they're, they're revolting over here on me. Now, no man ever measures up as the ultimate hero. Charles Barkley used to say, I'm no one's hero. Well, you may not be. But God wants to be the hero of His people. God loves it when we praise His name. Steve Phillips says that in worship we build a throne for God to sit on and we bring our praise to Him. A mighty God, a hero God, a warrior God, and the King of kings and the Lord of lords did battle for you and I on a hill called Calvary and won the victory. Man, that's good preaching. But it's right. He won the victory on Calvary. Alright, number three. He is also a watchful Father. Do you see this in verse 6? Eternal Father. In other words, He is our Father for all time. Boy, in the past, He knew my name. August 31st. 1958, something very, very special happened. I was born. <laughs> and on that day, in Henrietta, Oklahoma, God who had formed me in my mother's womb, God who had predestined me, predestined me, that when the Holy Spirit came and wooed me and called me, I gave my heart and life to Christ. You know, some folks get wrapped up in predestination. I want to tell you, God wants everybody to be saved. Now, I know man has a free will, but God wants everyone to be His child. God's not willing for any to perish. And so, from all eternity, all eternity, past, present, and future. He is our eternal Father. I want you to look in your Bible. Look to Revelation. I mentioned this verse earlier. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Y'all remember years ago we used to have a thing called Bible drill. Y'all remember that? Sword drill. Yeah, that's right. Now everybody's got it on their phone or iPad or I get it, alright? Revelation 1.8 I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Now listen to this. Who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. What time is it in heaven? Well, it's no time. 
Heaven is a place where time shall be no more. And that's why God is past, present, and future all at the same time. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Got to move on. Number four. Four on this list of names. Look back in verse 6. Isaiah 9, 6. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, but then He is a wonderful Comforter because He's the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Over in Syria, war is going on. In New York City, a war is going on there. Gangs, crime, conflict. You know, you can go to any spot in the world, from Columbia, South Carolina, and go around the world. There is war and conflict going on out here. And we are never going to have peace in this world based on what happens out here. But when Christ goes into a life, He brings His peace. And I have peace in the midst of a storm because Christ is in my life. Bob, you and Marie can have peace because of Christ in your life. Gail Everhart plugged in with dialysis every single night, every day. But Gail would walk in here and be the joy of the party because she had the peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace. Romans 5.1 talks about God's wonderful peace. Philippians 4.7 speaks of God's wonderful peace. So this coming Messiah, the King with four names, a wonderful Counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Well, let me share a third and last thing with you. Third and last, the King is mighty in what He will do. What will this King do? Well, He's going to rule completely. Rule completely. If you look back here in verse number 6, it says in verse 6, and the government will rest on His shoulders. The government... Isaiah is saying that the nation of Judah is going to have a king one day, not like Uzziah, who sinned and got leprosy, not like the other kings, but this king, the government will rest on his shoulders, on him. I don't care what you got in life. Now listen to me, this will be good. His shoulders are big enough to bear. If His shoulders can bear the cross of Calvary, He can bear every burden that you got. Oh, aren't you glad He's got big shoulders? <laughs> well, He's also going to rule eternally. You find again in verse number 7, there will be no end to the increase of His government or of peace. 
There will be no end to it. Well, He's also going to rule powerfully. Powerfully. Verse number 7 again goes on to say, "...on the throne of David and over His kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore." Now listen to this phrase. "...the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this." What does the word zeal mean? Enthusiasm. It, it means the, the passion, the power. Man, if you are zealous about something, there, there's something you want to sing, you want to shout about it, it is a passion of your life. The Bible says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. I'm glad that God is a uh, zealous God. I'm glad God gets excited about things. You know, when someone gets saved, the Bible says God throws a party up there. I know that because the angels rejoice over those who get saved. Let me close today by sharing a quote with you. Dr. W.A. Criswell, who pastored First Baptist Church Dallas for 50 years, one time commenting on these two verses said this, the shoulders that bear the government of the universe are the shoulders that bore the cross of Calvary and we are in good hands. What a quote. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Father, may the King with four names be real in our lives. And Lord, may we live for Him and Father, live in grace one day we'll be replaced by dying grace. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you all so much.